You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source of truth and communications, identity management, and technology. Bringing you a special myth-busting episode, our VP of Marketing and Communications, Molly Weiss, joins Chief Product Officer Anish Jaffer to answer all the important FAQs we get asked every day on call delivery, whether it's about number reputation, stir shaking, branded calling, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and communications industry. I'm Molly Weiss, the VP of Marketing and Communications at Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with our Chief Product Officer, Anise Chapper. Hey, Anise. Hey, Molly. How is it going? It is going great. It's been a while since you and I have done this together. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's usually uh, Rebecca and I, uh, Rebecca and uh, and a guest. So it's uh, it's a change uh, for Tuesday Talks uh, to get us on this. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to the session. Absolutely, me too. So we've planned a really good one today for our sixth episode of season two. What we thought we would do is take some time to field all of the recurring questions that have been submitted by you, our listeners, submitted on the website, submitted live during our sessions and also on LinkedIn. What we're gonna do is group these into basically three main categories where we'll cover questions about number reputation, which is all things call blocking and call labeling. We'll cover stir shaking questions and then branded calling. And anyone who is listening live, feel free to also drop questions into that chat window at any time as well. And we'll cover those if we've got a couple minutes left at the end. So with that, why don't we go ahead and start with some questions about phone number reputation. So number one off the bat, if you're ready, Anise, is wasn't Sir Shaken supposed to stop bad robocalls and enable good calls to go through? If I'm a legitimate business, why might I still see my calls labeled as scam and spam today? And we get this a lot, right? Um, especially uh, since uh, Sir Shaken got rolled out. A lot of enterprises do believe that once this got updated, then their scam and spam labels would go away. Uh, but we know that's not true. Uh, or in reality, that's not uh, what we are seeing. Um, so let's start by looking at this from the stir shaken perspective, right? Uh, so in theory, on the origination side, call originators are required to sign the calls from legal callers. and at termination, the call should be accepted and delivered because there is uh, the certificate that goes along with the call. But in reality, it's a little bit more complex. Uh, first, the originating service provider needs to have a direct relationship with whoever is originating the call to sign the um, certificate with attestation flag A, right? So if not, the call is either gonna get sent with a B or a C. Uh, so in the case of C, it's basically like not having the call signed because it's the lowest level of the attestation flag. Uh, typically, it's supposed to be used when the originating service provider does not know where the call is coming from, does not know, um, or if it's coming from a uh, through a gateway from an international origination and does not have any kind of relationship with the customer, meaning they don't know what the call is for, where the call got originated. So that's like C, and we've heard that um, a few service providers are signing the calls with attestation level C if they don't know what you know what, what the call is for, and most calls are going like that. So that's C. 
And then you have B, when the originating service provider um, does not know who is calling or, or does not know who the number is uh, issued to, right? So that's B. So only in the, in the case of A would be uh, when you have the OSP who knows the customer, who knows that the number has been, has been issued, right? So then you have the infrastructure itself, right? Even if the call is signed A, but if the call gets routed through nodes that are not storage shaken enabled, and a lot of nodes uh, in the network is still TDM uh, and TDM switches, then the cert could get dropped along the way, or the uh, and then when when the when the cert when the call actually reaches to a destination, it may not have the certificate A. It could have C because somebody dropped and then. Uh, the next node did not know where the call is coming from, so they attached a C. So that eventually when it gets to the terminating service provider, it doesn't have the right authentication. Uh, and we've seen that in the case of rural providers, we are, we are hearing a significant number of providers are still operating on legacy st systems and most calls are originating as C. So because of all this, uh, at termination, uh, when the call uh, is received, the uh, carriers still run analytics and we continue to see labels being attached because that is still um, in play, right? Basically, the algorithms would still look at these calls as unauthenticated, or even if it's authenticated, they, they would still look at the patterns where the call is coming from, call volume, and then they could still like, get labeled. So that's what's going on right now. Okay, and what about the blocking of those calls? And we're kind of covering the labeling. When calls are blocked, is an entity going to get notified that its calls are blocked or is it kind of left to them to figure it out or it's a mystery? Uh, well, right now it is still a little bit of a, a, little bit of a mystery uh, because when the call reaches the destination, the service provider has to decide if the call is authenticated or not. And if it has A, then they would probably send it through. Most likely they will send it through. However, when the analytics engines um, could could uh, look at it and then see if it's uh, if it's got some patterns where they could um, they would look for call volume, uh, they would look for um, time of day, where, and they would look for user preferences, like if the if the number is being blocked by their users in the apps, uh, they would look at originating IP. There are several factors that they look, and still that could be determined as a number that's fraudulent. Uh, so you could still get blocked. Um, and and for the most part, when consumers originate calls, right? So when, let's say you are a T-Mobile subscriber calling another T-Mobile subscriber, then you, would, you wouldn't have an issue. Or when you have a mobile carrier call between two different carriers, right? You could be on AT&T calling T-Mobile. I mean, for the most part, you would not have an issue. But the issue happens when you have enterprises or businesses originating calls, and then you don't know where it is originating from. Uh, or it could it could go through those different nodes, and because of that, the calls could get blocked. Now, for the notification uh, part of it, um, at this time, there is um, you know the there is no response back all the way to the originator saying the call got blocked. All right, typically what you would hear you would get a no answer, uh, the call wouldn't get terminated. That's typically what you would see. Uh, the SIP stack itself uh, will throw an error, but does that doesn't uh, go all the way back to the originating uh, caller, especially if you are behind a contact center. Um, you would you would have to really look at the SIP stack to understand what happened with the call. Uh, now there is a standard that has been proposed, um, but and it is an active discussion. Uh, the question is, you know, if they can add error codes that would uh, define 
what it would be um, but we are not there yet uh, it's not a, it's not a complete standard still discussions are ongoing it's not finalized so that's where we are um, even if we do all these all the issues we talked earlier about the infrastructure would still be applicable so how do you get back the code all the way back to the originator right and what happens if some of these codes are sent and then it goes to a bad actor so now they could figure out okay i'm getting a you know blocked or uh, so then they would they would figure out alternate ways right so those are all the considerations for for this standard uh, and it's still ongoing Okay, perfect. And we got a live question in on this topic too. So I'm going to throw this one in at this time. Okay. Um, so some service provider code token holders say that you can see right away if your outbound calls are being signed, because if they're sent to a T-Mobile or Verizon smartphone, it will show up as having a check mark. So how come I'm only seeing check marks on non-enterprise residential personal calls on iPhones only? Um, yeah, so, I mean, if I understand this question correctly, so if, if the originating uh, caller uh, is also on the cell phone network and the destination is cell phone, then you would most likely the call is signed and you would get the verified check mark because let's say you're originating a call uh, as a subscriber uh, in, in the T-Mobile network. So T-Mobile knows who you are, uh, knows that the number has been issued to uh, to you as a subscriber and then you are calling another subscriber that could be in T-Mobile or it could be even you know in another network like AT&T and this uh, and and they would be able to pass the certificate and then when they receive the call or another subscriber receives the call they would they would authenticate it and then say it's a you know it's an authenticated call however for enterprise you don't go through uh, cell phone networks you you're probably originating calls through other SIP, WIP, or even TDM networks. So that's the challenge. Now you need to have a service provider who's going to originate the call, sign this call appropriately before it can go all the way. And not only that, it also has to get routed appropriately so that the certificate passes along every single node and then reaches destination. So that's the challenge. Okay, and that makes sense. So since we got down a stir shaken path, let's stay here. And we'll take a couple of stir shaking questions now. First one off the bat is, so who is signing my calls? Who can give me a stir shaken token or certificate? Yeah, so that would be the originating service provider. Um, in the for in this case, it would be um, who's actually placing the call into the network. Um, in most cases, where the call originator has a direct relationship, like for example, if you have if you are an enterprise. Uh, who has a direct relationship with AT&T or Verizon and they're originating calls, they would sign that particular call. Uh, but we know that enterprises also have relationship with their reseller and then the reseller has an upstream OSP or originating provider that they work with. So in that case, the OSP is the one who actually signs the call, even though you are originating the call through another uh, provider downstream. So. There, it could be. It depends on the on on how the uh, on where you get the SIP service and how yours how you're set up to make these calls. But eventually, um, the the carrier or the service provider who is uh, enabling the SIP invite into the network is the one who has to sign the call. Okay, and with call signing, let's talk about attestation then. If my provider tells me that they're attesting my calls at a level, but my calls are still being labeled as spam. Are those things related? Does that have anything to do with one another? What's going on there? 
Yeah, so as we discussed earlier, the labels are assigned at termination. So even if the originating provider signs the call, it is possible that the terminating provider is labeling the call as spam. Uh, so this could happen if the number uh, itself is deemed as a as a number that's spamming and it's designated as a spammer, and that could happen if a lot of calls are generated, especially you know short duration calls. Um, it could also be that the call got routed through a node that dropped the certificate, right? And by the time it reached the destination, the flag was lost. So at termination, the analytics engine is going to do. Um, the best to figure out what kind of number it is. And if they don't have that in their system as a registered caller, or uh, if they if that has been flagged by users as a spammer, then you would still get those labels. So there's a lot of different factors in play here. Um, this question's asking, is it possible to get guaranteed A-level attestation calls, calls on your numbers at no matter what? So is it possible to guarantee that level of attestation you're, you're gonna be able to get? Oh, well, it depends if the originating service provider knows the customer and all calls are generated on the on the OSP network, then yes, you, they could they could sign the call as A, um, you know, all day long. Um, but for that, the originating carrier or the OSP has to have a direct relationship with the client and they pr would have to issue the numbers to the clients. And typically you would see this in the case of like, say, you know, Verizon business working with with Horizon enterprise clients, right? In that in that scenario, uh, it would happen. But if you have um, a situation where you have a provider, um, it could be that the service provider is working with another reseller. The reseller has issued the number to a BPO, and the BPO is actually um, or a call center uh, outsourcer is actually making calls on behalf of a brand. Then attesting attestation level A would be very difficult, right? Because whoever is originating the call wouldn't know who is the actual um, uh, party responsible for that content of the call. So in that case, it would you would get a B at best. That's pretty common scenario, especially in contact centers, um, enterprises who are uh, using other vendors for originating calls, uh, certain CPaaS providers, right? So it is it is quite common. And also you have this other scenario where you could get numbers from one provider and then originating calls using another provider. So in that case, um, also you wouldn't, the originating provider would not know uh, exactly, you know, uh, who issued the number. And most cases they would sign the call as B. Uh, now, if, uh, if a service provider is guaranteeing it, then I would, as an enterprise, I would I would ask them how it is done. Like you know, do you if, if especially if you don't have a direct relationship, um, I would I would get into the details a little bit to understand how it's done. Okay, that's good advice. So let's say I'm a contact center, I'm a brand, I've got my phone numbers, I don't have any spam labels. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Stir shakens, everything is everything is great. Now I want to talk about branding. This is what everybody's talking about now. So when it comes to the presentation layers that consumers can see on their mobile devices, question is, is RCD, which is rich call data, is this the same thing as CNAM or is this different or and or is this the same technology that's going to label those calls as scam or spam? Is all of the stuff related? Is it all different? How does this work? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, so let's take it one by one. So let's talk about RCD first. Uh, RCD allows you to add um, what is called as rich call data, essentially metadata that you can associate, such as a brand name, brand logo, call reason. Uh, so those are all those are all different elements that you can add as part of RCD. Now the standard allows this information to be packaged as part of the SIP header. Uh, and the Strashaken standard also allows you to add that as uh, what is called as an RCD passport. Now, this is if the data is added as part of the call or what is termed as inbat, right? Meaning it's added as along the SIP header when the call is originated. Uh, but as we talked before, Strashaken certificate could be discarded, lost along the way, so the date, this data may not go all the way to the to the end. Uh, and, and to be fair, this is fairly new. Strashaken just got rolled out and, um, you know, delegated certi certificates to add our, our, add our CD passports are still early um, and it's not widely adopted. So in the meanwhile, we have what is called as out-of-band um, solutions. So here, um, as you would guess, these are uh, data that is, that is basically sent out-of-band or outside the call. So it doesn't uh, go along with the call or along with the SIP header, it goes over the data network. Um, and in some cases, the data is sent real time. Like for example, uh, Google verified, um, or Google has Google, what is called as Google verified calls, which in essence uses an API uh, to register the call. Uh, let's say you are the enterprise and you're trying to reach me as, the, um, as your customer. So you would register right before you make the call to me, you would register, um, uh, hey, I'm, I'm gonna call this number uh, in the next 30 seconds or a minute, right? So that gets registered into, into the Google um, Cloud and then when you actually place the call and I receive it on my handset, now that handset has to be a Google handset with the app uh, enabled for verified calls, then Google will pull the data because they already know that you're gonna call and they were expecting you to call in the next whatever, 30 seconds or a minute. They would pull the data and they would render it. So this is out of band, uh, real time um, integration where you can actually pass the data. Uh, but there are also other solutions that are being offered where it is not um, real time, but essentially you would register your name and logo um, with the provider and whenever you make the call, that renders. So that's the branding that's available uh, today. So let's stay on that topic and talk a little bit more about that branding that is able to be displayed on the handset level. Um, how flexible is this? Is it possible to just show a name? If somebody doesn't want to show name and logo, can they choose? Uh, yeah, so with um, there are different options at this point. Um, for the most part, uh, the provider for Verizon is supporting, uh, that's TNS, that's supporting name only at this point. Uh, the, the provider for, for T-Mobile, uh, First Ryan is supporting name as part of their Inform um, solution. They also have Engage, which is very similar to the real-time Google Verified. And then uh, you have AT&T, uh, where you can have uh, name and logo, but the but name for uh, Apple and Android devices. Uh, logo is applicable for Samsung because Haya works with Samsung and also wherever they have Haya app installed. So there's a little bit of a variation on how the branded solution uh, is currently being offered, but 
to answer your question, yeah, you can have just name, uh, not you know without the logo, uh, and in some cases you could have logo, um, and then in some cases you have real time where you can push the logo and call reason. Okay, and how does that cross over again with the analytics we talked about earlier? Will adding these branded features, name and or logo, will this stop or override calls from being labeled as spam or scam likely, or again, not related? Uh, in most cases, we have seen that it does. Uh, as the entity is identified ahead of time, uh, they're, they're vetted and the data is updated. Um, so when the solution provider um, or the analytics engine receives the call, they feel confident that the labels can be removed. Again, they monitor other items as well. It's not just this. They also look at other things like the IP or the originating call path. So if it doesn't um, follow the, the pattern that they expect, then it could still get labeled. Um, but for most cases, we have seen that, um, you know, once you register and with brand information, labels don't show up. Yeah, I think that was a very important element there is the upfront identification of that identity. You know, they need to have that, the carriers and the, the branding providers need to have that confidence and who is trying to push this branding through because that's the last thing we want, right? Is people being able to use this new technology to spoof a brand that they aren't actually representing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge concern there too. Um, so let's talk, let's talk timelines and logistics for branding. How long does it take to implement this? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different solutions out there. Why are there so many? How do I know which one's right for me? <laughs> yeah, we have different solutions because each wireless carrier, uh, you know, they have their own vendor uh, that's that's doing this. And in addition, you have uh, device manufacturers, right? And device uh, OS makers like, I mean, a Apple and Google predominantly. Uh, they have their own requirements. Apple, for the most part, is, is right now it's pretty closed in the sense you can't push data directly to Apple, but Google does allow uh, through Google Verified. Um, and each solution requires that the enterprise has to be identified and verified before um, they, can, they can enable for brand information. So that could take, I would say, up to two weeks to get everything set up and running. But it's typically uh, what we have seen is um, four to five days, uh, sometimes as quickly as in two days, um, depending on the service provider again. Google seems a little bit faster. Uh, the other services takes a little bit of a setup time. Um, now, which one is right is very subjective. Um, I would look at uh, other things um, like who are they trying to call, right? As an enterprise, who are you trying to call? So look at the target uh, demographics of who's receiving the call. Let's say you're reaching primarily to mobile users, then it makes sense because you, you know mobile devices have the ability to show brand information. But if you're trying to reach predominantly to landlines, then branded calls may not be that critical. Um, also, the use case, um, you have to look at that as well. Um, for instance, um, let's say you have uh, you're, you're calling for a use case where somebody's expecting the call. So we've seen this, um, like for example, a pharmacy making a call to um, for prescription pickup or a doctor's office for appointment reminder. So those kind of things, um, it helps. But if you're trying to do a telemarketing sales call or 
debt collection i i don't think it it makes that big of a difference uh, so in cases where the receiving party is expecting a call it makes a lot of sense uh, and in cases where the call is uh, for sales telemarketing it could help but i'm not you know i i haven't seen data that's convincing that once you enable branded calls for these scenarios it could help uh, but what we have seen is um, uh, answer um, or callback rates have gone up right so in the case of um, somebody who's trying to telemarket or or upsell a service uh, when uh, when when you call they may not uh, whoever you're calling may not pick up the call um, at that time but if they see the brand name and logo they could call you back and what we've seen is those callbacks have um, um, uh, it's higher quality because uh, they are initiating the call with a reason to engage. Uh, so because of that, I think it helps. So brand recognition for sure, it could help. Um, and, and that's what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And that probably leads into agent productivity too being improved because if you're getting more of these callbacks, agents don't have to waste as much time trying to continuously try to outreach and get you. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. That we have seen. Um, so, yeah, I would, I mean, we always tell clients that branded enabling branded calls is not going to in, increase your contact rates right away, but there could be other other elements that could influence the rate at which they are, um, you know, closing an account or whatever they're trying to sell. Um, so the ROA could be different. You have to look at other, other metrics in addition to just answer rate. Yeah, that's a complicated one to try to decide which solution is right for you. There's a lot of things that go into it. Right. But um, so the display, so we talked about call, call our name. We talked about the logo. How about this last piece of call reason? What is this all about? What can it say? Can it be amended at any time? How does the, how does that call reason field work? Yeah, so call reason is a text information that can be used to notify the intent of the call. So example, uh, if it's a doctor's office, you can say this is doctor's, um, you know, XYZ's office calling for an appointment reminder, right? So this is part of the RCD um, information that we talked earlier. So it's part of the standard that um, that's being built. Um, however, uh, the standard is not there yet. Um, and today, uh, Google allows you to uh, pick um, uh, from a list of preloaded um, information. So you could you could preload five different call reasons and then you can pick one as you're making the call uh, but the other providers are um, are still restricting it uh, it is not it's preloaded and there's not much of a flexibility to amend it ideally in the future uh, you should be able to attach a call reason for every single call in a custom way so that you know using an api and that will be really powerful but we're not there yet okay so let's take one more logistics related question. So Anise, you shared with us that there's a number of different solution providers and display is gonna be different based on whether you're calling somebody who's on an iPhone or an Android and there's a lot of different little nuances there. So if I'm thinking about implementing this, how do the logo requirements work? Is there a maximum minimum on image pixel size? Am I slicing and dicing those logos? How is it going to appear on Android versus iPhone? How do I know it's going to look right? All, how does all of that work? 
Yeah, so um, there, are, there are some differences. I mean, uh, each solution provider has a slight variance uh, on, on how they are looking, what they're looking for. But typically, it's uh, we've seen um, a 500 by 500 image uh, works uh, for mobile devices. Um, on tablets, it could it may not render properly, but I don't know how many people actually take calls on tablets. But you know, it's a different thing. Um, so yeah, so typically we would re we recommend 500 by 500 uh, for the most part, and then that seems to fit in. Um, Apple, as far as I know, um, the the only provider are currently what's being supported is if you're going directly to an app. So let's say you have um, the first try an app running on a T-Mobile device, then using Engage, you can push that. Um, that's what I've seen. So the coverage is pretty limited, um, but for the most part, um i think the the logo size uh, is you know it's you can you can manage with the 500 by 500 pixel uh, the name uh, related to this is the name so we've seen some difference in in that as well um so on the name typically you would have 32 characters that's supported or for branded calls but verizon still is limiting to 15 so we recommend uh enterprises to use 15 um, and that's a legacy CNAM character limit so they're still supporting that so at some point I think it would change. So yeah. how we thoroughly tapped your brain today of all subjects of number reputation, stir shaking, brain and calling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are several questions that will come up. I think uh, we should do this uh, more often, take questions and then have a session. I mean, it's 30 minutes already. We flew I know, right? It always flies. So I want to thank everybody who joined us live today for joining us for another great episode of Tuesday Talks. Anise, thank you for all of the information in your brain. We appreciate everybody's support. Keep the questions coming. And we hope to see everybody again in our next session, which will be on Tuesday, May 24th. Great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode. We hope it shed light on some of the questions you may have been wondering all along. Don't forget you can pre-submit any questions you have to us via email or when you register for the live sessions or you can ask our experts directly during our live sessions. Our next episode airs Tuesday, May 24th. We hope to see you there.